Doctrines 101, okay? So tonight's lesson is 101, okay? On creation, our God who is our creator. And after Answers in Genesis being here, it's just like, okay, Carl, why bother? You know, because these guys are like brainiacs and, you know, Brummel's up there and, you know, so he should be down here and I should be probably running the sound tonight. So if you have anything to pipe in tonight, brother, just feel free to do so, okay? But we're we're just going to get some, some basics in here. And so wait till they are all passed out. Uh, we won't be finishing probably tonight. I'm probably going to get into a little bit more maybe. Uh, we'll see how, because, you know, I feel, because they just got here, you know, and they dealt with the whole thing of, you know, evolution versus creation, and I don't want to rehash what we just learned about, you know, just a matter of a few weeks ago, and so, and, and I think, do we did we get the videos from Answers in Genesis in the library? Did they, they come? They, they came in, I'm not sure if they're in, and so if you want actual great teaching on the subject, you can get DVDs out of the... At library eventually and be able to see them. My friend, I'm in front of the, I got the one, we got the one video for the kids, you know, about the dinosaurs and everything, so I'm up there with the grandkids watching and learning and taking notes, you know, yeah, oh well. Genesis 1, we learned uh, some time ago about our God and his name, and we see there are multiple names like Jehovah and Elohim and the list goes on of names that we learned. And you'll remember here in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and that is the word Elohim. It is the plurality of, of God's name. And you would say, well, why would God use that there? You would think that God would be trying to show himself as the self-existing one. The first mention of God, one would think we would be dealing with who he is, the self-existing one. And yet God reveals himself in this term that is used, as I said, plurality for God. And you say, well, why would he put the generic, if you will, more generic uh, name? And it is because what we're going to be learning about tonight that it is not just the Father involved with creation, it is our God, the triune God. And that's why I believe God put that in that text. Let's pray. Father, as we enter into your word tonight, I do pray that you'll bless the time. We always need your help. And whether we're dealing with a subject like this, where we have studied, we've read Genesis and so many other texts to deal with you in your creation, help us, Lord, to just stop and again be in an awe of who you are and what you have done, what you're capable of doing. And as we look tonight at what you are still doing in this form of creating a new heart inside of man, I pray you bless this time. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, the first sentence there talking about creation is the act of God whereby he brought all things into existence. And we're going to be looking at it in two senses in this area of creation. And that's the immediate creation and the immediate creation. And we'll explain what we mean by those two terms as we go on. First one is we saw in Genesis 1.1, our God, the creator. Uh, this is the immediate creation was the act of the triune God by which he brought all matter into existence immediately. And I wanted to emphasize immediately, without the pre-existing materials. This includes the whole universe. So, 
In Genesis, in chapter 1, we see, as we have in the past, there are six literal days of creation. This is not millions of years, but literal 24-hour days that God spoke into existence. And some's faith is not quite there, because they would be stopping and saying, well, God couldn't have done it. It's, you know, we see these processes through creation and nature now, that it seems like it took millions of years. So we have, we have those who believe in, in different ways that the earth was formed, and yet it took millions of years to finally evolve into what it is. God created the matter, and then the matter had to continue to evolve. Um, another term I'll throw at you, i got a relative who believes this. They believe in uh, a theistic evolution. And you say, you know, that doesn't seem like they go together. Well, they believe in a God out there, that there's some supreme being that started the matter, and, but through the billions of years it evolved into what it is now. And that God is not necessarily interactive with what he started. He just got the ball rolling. You know, and then it just kind of evolves into what it's going to be, okay? And so that's why, you know, uh, you know, green, you know, lovers and uh, tree huggers and everybody that would be along with, you know, yeah, there's a God out there, but it's all interconnected, and we got to take care of it, and and it's because it becomes a God. Anyways, so uh, what we see is literally day and night. See that in chapter 1, verse 5, God called the light and day, darkness called the night, the evening and the morning were the what? First day, okay? Not first million years, right? So we believe a literal, and then of course it goes into the sky created, day 2, the atmosphere above, dividing the waters from above and beneath, day 3, we have land, plants, verse number 4 is sun, moon, stars, universe as we would see and and of course those were cre- what were the sun and moon you know basically you know what what's god's teaching through all of that what 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 are they there for in this whole process of what god is designing there was a purpose for all of these things and even the strategy by which god created those things in this order so they were for what days right and and months and obviously we look at them as years Right? And then the day five, we have the water creatures, the fowl, the air. Day, day six, we have the land animals and man created on day six. And that's why the number of man is the number six, if you did not know that. Maybe you did learn something tonight. And of course, we all know what God did on day seven. It was rested, okay? And that creates the first week. All right? So. This is what God said. Let there be light. Immediate light. It did not take millions of years for that which is in the uh, uh, universe, the lights that coming, whether it be from the sun, moon, etc. It didn't take them millions of years to get here. God created and it was an immediate action. You follow me? It you understand the the concept what I'm trying to show you there? Because they would say, well, it takes so many light years for it to be able to affect the earth that was created. It took all that time for the light to get here. God said, no, it's here. Okay? So already the vegetation, everything was here that needed the sun, or it already had that. It was created in a mature 
active state. Right away. Immediate. Uh, there's a Latin word that is, uh, is used a lot of times. Maybe Pastor Guy will use it. Ex nihilo. Meaning, God made it all from nothing. Absolutely zero. And so... This immediate creation was, was what he, he brought about. And what we see is, is God. And we're going to show you the Trinity real quickly. So we have the Father, of course, involved with creation. But we also have the Son. Now, there's two reasons we're, we're going to go ahead to some of these verses. John chapter 1, where we're heading to next. Now, I do put these here on purpose because I realize many of you could probably quote these and no problem, but uh, maybe you don't know these verses and you need to know these. And one, listen, one doctrine that we study builds upon the next doctrine. So what we're learning here is our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all interactive with creation and so that's imperative to understand because without believing that Jesus Christ is the creator not the created it changes everything okay because many will say that Christ had a beginning he is called the firstborn there's other phrases that talk about if you will a beginning with Jesus Christ and what we see here, though, is there was a beginning, absolutely, when he came to this earth, right? But prior to that, Jesus Christ always has been. And we'll give you verses down the road to be able to, to, to prove that also. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Now, some translations um, will put an article in there, and we'll say the word was a God, like a form of a God, not actual God. JWs uh, take liberty to put that little article in there that changes everything. There's no a God, it is the word of God is God, or was at that time of creation God. The same verse 2 is in the beginning with God. What's the beginning there? Beginning of eternity? Obviously not. Beginning of the New Testament? Or New? No. Obviously it's the beginning of all things. Because, verse 3, all things were made by Him. Who's the Him? Right? The Word. Which we haven't even developed Jesus yet. So he's trying to build this case as a, as a lawyer. Because we know in Genesis chapter 1, he says, let there be light, speaking it into existence which we know creation was done by the very Word of God. That's why it is immediate. With all power, with all authority, done precisely exactly how God desired it to be. And so this Word was, it says all things were made by Him. Now the Word is given a pronoun to say it is a man, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the Word of God... In the beginning with God, who is God, all things were used by God the Father through Him to create all things. And in Him, verse number 4, was life, and light. life was the light of men. Interesting then how John begins to get into not only the Word and then the creation, and then he talks about life and light. Without light, there cannot be the existence of life. 
Okay? You have to have a sun, etc. Light has to be there. And so now this the word is a light that shines in darkness. Now you remember in, in Genesis there was a darkness and then God created light and there was this separation to show that whole picture of separation that God is light taking away the darkness. And yet, the darkness here in his text did not comprehend the light. Now, what's he trying to get into? Some symbolism, eh? So, this word is light. And there is darkness in the world, and the world didn't get it. Now, who do you think, you know, why does he say that, generally speaking? We're here. We believe in the light. But what do you think he's trying to describe here? What do you think? Not a comprehension of the light. Remember what he says a little later on in the text? Some of you guys know it. He came unto his his own, and his own received him not. He's trying to build this case. Uh, there's when you look at Christianity, and when you look at Old Testament, that word phrase remnant always pops up. That we are not the majority. We are always and have always been the minority, okay? So the world has had, matter of fact, um, I apologize for being a little late, but man, I was having a good time talking to a young man who is, is, I haven't had a lost guy in my office for a long time like this, and it was so much fun giving him the gospel. Didn't get saved yet. He's still ironing things, and so pray for this uh, young guy, and uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to see what God's doing in him. And how he's beginning, it it was so fun because you just start giving verses and he's not versed. And I'm giving him these verses and he's really into symbolism. I started giving some symbolism and it's like the light went on. And you could see his eyes getting bigger and accepting and seeing it. And, And what a wonderful thing it is. Because as we described in Second Corinthians, Satan wants to blind of the minds of those that believe not less the light of the glorious gospel, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so Satan brings the darkness, blinding the world. Jesus Christ is the light. And all they got to do is say, the light. Believe in Jesus Christ. And that darkness, that sin, the picture there will be gone. And then, of course, we know later on where verses you know, 13, 14, where he describes uh, some important things that the, uh, that the word... I go to verse number 14, that the Word was made flesh. So now God's going to describe by name who this, the Word, is. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So there is a precious place that describes Jesus Christ as Creator. Look over Colossians with me now. This one may not be quite as familiar. I know some of you in, I think, Ethan's class are going through book Colossians. Is he still in Colossians? Yeah. Good book. That's his first book he's ever taught, isn't it? Yeah. His wife's back here saying, yeah, he's been in it quite a while. It's a pretty deep book. Sure is. Um, I gave you more verses than necessarily uh, necessary, uh, but in Colossians 1, you can start reading on your own in verse number 9, but we have to fast forward a little bit. 
to know, verse 14, who he's talking about, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, three guesses who that is, and the first two don't count, right? That is Jesus, right? Obviously. He, or Jesus, the one who redeemed, is the image of the invisible God. The visible of who God ultimately is. Wrapped up in the flesh, if you will. The firstborn of every creature. So there's one of those texts you saw say, see, he had a, he had a beginning. He's, he's, he's the firstborn. But you've got to understand, what he's dealing with in the text is his coming to the earth, dying on the cross, etc. And then he changes gears. For by him were all things created. Now notice this, by him, everything, every star, galaxy, moon, sun, pebble, okay, every bit of matter was created by him, Jesus Christ. Now notice this, that are in heaven, that are in earth. Now notice this, the things that we can see, visible, the things that are so microscopic that we can't even see them. The invisible things, God knows everything about them, how they work, why they are necessary to, to, to every detail. Whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by Him. Notice this, and for Him. He didn't say for God the Father. He's still dealing with Jesus Christ. All creation is for Jesus Christ. You say, well, it seems like you're putting the, the, the Son above the Father. Uh, there's an equality, remember? If you glorify the Son, you have glorified the Father. You follow me? So it's not a disrespect in any way to put such glory and honor on Jesus Christ Himself. Verse 17, He is before all things. By Him, all things literally are held together. It's as though without God, all that is here would be spiraling out of control, would dissemble, and would be nothing but chaos and confusion. God, Jesus Christ, literally is holding this whole thing together. Uh, one who understands science a lot better than I, when he looks at matter of what is there, there are many things that are the positives versus the negatives that the positive negatives would hold together that literally as you look at it, it shouldn't be able to hold together. It should be spiraling out of control, and yet God says, nah, I take it all. I keep it all together. He, he, he's, he's not just... Uh, the, the watchmaker that creates it, gets it running, and says you're on your own. God is personally involved still with his creation through Jesus Christ. Hebrews uh, chapter, um, actually, yeah, there's chapter 1. There's so many places we go to. He, Hebrews chapter 1. Another classic text on the subject. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days. Commercial. We will be talking about the last days down the road. I uh, don't know which service yet, probably Sunday evenings. Has spoken unto us by his Son. 
So there's the verbal. There again is the word. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. By whom also he made the worlds. All that is here has been created by him. Because he is the brightness of his glory. The ray of glory if you will. The express image of his person. Appointing all things by the word of his power. And then he took care of the salvation. When he had by himself purged our sins. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Good verses, huh? And then, of course, the Spirit of God is also parts. We, have, we know about the Father. We have now described the Son and His participation in creation and what He has done. And the Spirit also, you'll remember, and I've got to save a little time, how it talks about the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep, right? On the waters. This movement of the Spirit. So we have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all there participating in creation. And then you couple that with Genesis 1 and verse 26, where he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So I always look at that and imagine God, Father, Son, Spirit, talking, communing together about what was about to be created on day six. And we are going to, you don't see that, don't see that conversation about any other things that was created until it came to man. And God is looking and saying, we are going to make him in our image. Now what's interesting also, in all of the other things that were created, he made everything else, including the land animals, that same day, male and female. Human beings, man was the only thing he made solo, single, without a helpmate. It's interesting, I was reading one guy on that, he said, isn't it interesting of all that he created? He made it immediately to be able to be fruitful, multiply, and then to replenish, but not man. I had a thought, and he had the same thought. God is trying to show you and I, we are individually made in the image of God. Each one of us, singular. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, body, soul, spirit, made in the very likeness of God. And that this journey on this earth is not just all of us together, but it is a single relationship that you and I should be having with God. Because not only are we made in His image, that we should have a personal relationship with Him even as Adam had specially there in the garden before the fall, the commune that God, he had with God, that time of prayer, that time of communing, that time of obedience to doing what God wanted him to do, and then also to realize that when we stand before God, specifically because all judgment is given to Jesus Christ, that you and I are going to be standing before Jesus Christ giving an account of what we have done here on this earth. And we always think of that as a negative. I know when we say judgment seat of Christ, we're like, oh no. To the Christian, it's a joy. It's not a negative Judgment seat of Christ is a positive thing. We're going to be rewarded, folks, and we don't deserve it. Now, we understand that if we're losers here on this earth and don't serve Christ, then we're going to be ashamed at His coming. You know, but if we're serving Christ, we don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed at His coming. 
God wants us to have a confidence that we even say, Lord Jesus, come. We, we can't wait for that rapture. And we know the next coming event after that is, is the uh, judgment seat. And we have that privilege of standing before Him and giving that account of what we have done. And we can't wait to hear those words, well done. A good and faithful servant. So the Spirit of God is also an intricate part of, of it, of creation. So the Trinity, let her be, created the universe out of absolutely nothing. Hebrews 11 and verse 3, I guess we're right there in the book of Hebrews. And this will be a good verse to memorize if you don't have it memorized. Hebrews 11:3. Through faith, we understand. Now why does he say we there? It's like, because folks, we weren't there at creation. It's like, how can we here now understand what happened on day one? The only way we can do it? Through faith. Believing God. Uh, evolution and its, its teachings, its theories... As you look at what they believe, and it was so well described uh, through Brother Riddle, is probably, in my estimation, a greater faith than we have. And it is a faith. It is something that they believe in because they weren't there either. But they say, but we have the evidence that would prove what happened, and we've learned really quick that that's not true. It's not true science. And so what we see is a design and a designer. Everything that was beautifully created to be able to have the means within itself to be able to create itself all over again. And even though death came then and and man would die, a tree, whatever would die, it would be able to have a seed within itself to be able to then create itself over again. So that here we are. And so are the trees and the grass and everything else that that we see. And so this is what God has has created. So through faith we understand that the worlds, everything that we see, was, was created, right? And how was it done? That the worlds were framed by the Word of God. We've already developed that. Now notice, so that the things which are seen, the visible things that we see, were not made of things which do appear. That text is that which really undoes any type of a concept, the concept of evolution. Because all that evolution would teach has to have a matter before it, a material before it, to bring this one to pass. And we always go back and say, as they say, well, these gases or this, you know, uh, uh, fireball or this, you know, and we always say, but where did that come from? And we can say to everything that they would talk about, but where did that come from? Where we believe as Christians, it came from zero. It came from absolutely nothing. God didn't have some oxygen and some material here and some minerals here and some bark here and some pine here and wrapped it all together and said, stuck it in the ground, said, okay, we're going to put a pine tree here and we're going to put these minerals together and we're going to make a rock here and some gold here. That, he said, let it be immediate creation. Pretty neat, huh? We serve an awesome God to be able to do such a great thing. The, the immediate creation 
Uh, and what we mean by that is that media creation is the act of God in which he does not originate material, but simply shapes, transforms material that already exists. And i got to save a little time. When man was created, did he say, let there be man? Pop. And there was a man. Is that how he did it? No. How did he create man? From the dust of the ground. So he took matter that was already in existence... And the same thing with the land animals. Uh, you can see that in those verses that are there. You want to go back and see a couple of them? Might as well, so we can we might highlight them. If those who highlight their verses, some don't, and that's okay. I was talking to somebody, they said, I'm about ready to start highlighting my Bible. It's an out-of-body experience for some people for the first time to underline or highlight something in their Bible. You don't want to look at my Bible. You would think it's, I'm very disrespectful the way I, but it helps me to understand it. So, but anyways, uh, we're looking at. Uh, we're not going to look at all of these. Just look at um, look at my notes here. Genesis uh, two seven is where man was created from the uh, form man of the dust of the ground. And then you go over to chapter two verse nineteen. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, brought them unto Adam, etc. Um, so God took matter that was there, formed. And then he says, for man, not for the land creatures, but for man, he breathed into their nostrils the breath of life, and they became a living soul. We are not animals, not even in God's uh, origin of man and animals. Is there any comparison to what we, we are? And the key is that life, that breath that almost inspiration, that God created something in us that is unique. And um, I know this breaks people's hearts, but as much as we love our animals, um, um, they're not us. You know? And I hate to say this, but even though the movie says all dogs go to heaven, I don't know that. <laughs> Some I know hope and pray that their little doggy's going to be in their mansion, running around. But um, maybe yours will be. But I doubt it. So we're different. So God created man, matter, and and brought life through it. And it's interesting how even with matter. That which is already in existence in the scriptures, we see all these miracles that God took existing matter and then either multiplied it, altered it, corrected the material, and there's a bunch of t- verses. And, and so he's taken, for instance, uh, the one and John 6 is there's like thousands of people and they're all hungry. So what did God create? What did he do? He took a few fish and loaves, and created more from it. He didn't pop new, it didn't fall down out of the sky, but somehow, some way, as they were breaking the bread, eating, it began to multiply. Can you imagine how much they broke off? And what I want to see a motion picture in heaven of this one. Because I don't know how it happened exactly. It's just like it's, there's more. You know, it's just like pulled it off, and all of a sudden it got a plate full. You know, or was it, you know, they pulled some off and then it multiplied back? I, I don't know exactly how it happened, but, you know, they're in groups of 50 and they're going around and it's just like there. And then Peter's like, wow, 
I got as much as when we started with this group. Let's go to the next group. And they're taking, you know, all the, so matter. You know, when you look at, at um, God fixing or correcting, whether it's the blind eyes, the crippled legs, whatever was there, God was able to take that which is already created and totally transform and change it back and literally undoing what the sinful nature that happened in Genesis 3 started he undid it. Miracle. Went against nature. It went against the now creation. And boy, do I wish we could do that. You know, I know some claim to have these type of gifts, and I'd like to go into the hospital with them, and I'd like to see them clear some hospitals out. I'd like to go into some uh, funeral homes and bring some dear loved ones back. If they have that gift, the apostolic gifts that they claim to have, uh, that's just uh, not this dispensation, folks. That's not this one at all. Uh, I apologize. I was in a hurry. It's not John. There's not 91 chapters. <laughs> Neither does it go downhill to verse 41. It is supposed to be John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41, and we're not going to take the time. I know, you, you teachers, you're like, are you supposed to proofread all this? I thought I did enough, but I didn't, obviously. So just put a little semicolon in there, so that'll, that'll correct that one. And that's the story of the blind man. So what did he, what did he to, do? He took something that already existed, mud, Put it on the guy's face, go to water, pull slow, wash it off, and you're going to see. And correcting creation by something that already was there. The last part is this. I, I, you, you say, well, you're stretching it a little bit. Well, whatever. Uh, salvation is, is called a creation in which God takes a sinner and creates in him a brand new heart. We know 2 Corinthians, right? 5.17. If any man be what? In Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's something that God does. Have you ever looked at Genesis 1 in light of salvation? Do it sometime. Because you'll see the correlations. As we already mentioned, the life and light is Jesus Christ. And John 1 compares that to those who would believe in the light, the life then would come inside of them, and they would have life, even though there was darkness, now there is light. And that's what happens, it's, it's salvation. And there's a list of other things that you can actually walk through and look at Genesis creation and what God has done and created something brand new inside of us. It talks about King Saul, that he gave him a new heart, changed him transformed him, created something inside of him that was, that was new, didn't, didn't have it before. And that's when I got saved. Um, new creation, new creature. Uh, probably one of the greatest miracles that we see in this day and age, I believe is the greatest miracle, is a new believer. Is the salvation of somebody who was this, and now they're this. They were the sinner, and now they're saved. They were unclean, and now they're clean. And we could go through the whole list of what happens and, and transforms inside of us. 
And uh, I don't know. That's just this is I see it. Second Corinthians five seventeen, creation. What God's created inside of us. And what's neat is you know He saves us, and then He puts His Spirit of God inside of us. Other places talk about God who is in us. God comes into us in the person of the Spirit of God, and even the Spirit of Jesus Christ, you know, is inside of you and I. And the result of that is something that springs inside of us, which is a life. And it's a, it's a miracle. I can't get over it. Sorry. I just 